0: I know you're sitting at 2-0 and in your leagues, but you got to keep that edge, right? Listening to this podcast is step one, but step two is getting into 4 for 4 The most accurate ranking site is giving away a discount using the promo code DYNASTYOM, so names like John Paulson, TJ Hernandez, and Josh Hermsmeyer will be providing you weekly DFS and redraft rankings to keep you out in front of your league. Again, that's DYNASTYOM to get discounted access to some of the best tools in the industry. Now, let's listen to Gabe Flow.
1: game is so beautiful, you know. Come play. Flip the page, Dynasty is the newest rage. Maybe you've played, maybe you've made a trade. Made list and now these fish are all up on ya. I mean you won three ships, they wish they had your. So this is it, you wanna learn the game. 101 pick, when it hits you feel no pain. crane. the fantasy championship hit the books kid read this pamphlet called the dynasty owner's manual it's automatic dynasty
2: it's automatic owner's manual it's automatic dynasty it's automatic automatic. (laughs) and here are your authors chris allen and A- A- Adam Wilde.
0: All right, everybody, and welcome back. I'm your host, Chris Allen of the Dynasty Owner's Manual podcast. This is episode 23, and we have yet another special guest with us here tonight. We have Brad Reyes of the Quant Edge. Now, Brad, before we get into it, have you asked Elliot about how he came up with the name? Do you know, is that in reference to something?
2: Yeah, it's actually the Quant Edge, and uh, he explained to me as meaning that, that Quant means um, math. So it's like our math edge. Ah, okay. I yeah. Like that. I, I didn't get it at first either. I'm not that smart. Oh, neither am I. I mean, I, just, I,
0: I just I, like I,
2: I read it and I was
0: just like, okay. And I'm trying to think of like, is that maybe like a cool movie reference? Is like maybe it's a football term that I just haven't picked up on yet. So, so yeah, I think you
2: can tell one of his parents was definitely a, a professor.
0: Yeah, especially from the the level of
2: research and analysis that
0: he does. That yeah, that has to factor in at some point. But we're happy you're here tonight, and we definitely want to get into some of the work that you've been doing uh, with Elliot and the other good folks over at TQE. But first, I want Uh, again welcome in my co-host Adam Wildey how you doing tonight
1: man I'm doing awesome I can't wait to get into this topic because this is a huge the start sick questions are starting to come in and I notice this every year it's about week three that they get super prevalent because really nobody has a better answer than anyone else week one I mean we can project from last year but um I can't really tell you what the defense is going to do. I haven't seen it. And then week two, I feel is kind of more wait and see. It's like, okay, is this a trend? Now week three, we kind of know some things. So now start set questions are huge, and it's time to start setting lineups.
0: Right, and I think that the process for going through your lineup and making sure that you've made the most optimal decisions, regardless of how the how your matchup shakes out, I think that at the very least we should be able to come back to our rosters and, you know, the, the t-shirt that you've seen over there, process over results, and I think that having Brad on here tonight and us having this, having this discussion here can help people at least come up with the right process. You might still wind up with an L next to your, next to your team name afterwards because just the way that uh, variance and the way that the game may, might be played out. But at the very least, I'm hoping that folks will at least be happy with some of the decisions, at least the process that they got in order to making those decisions. And then assuming over the long term you stick with that process, you should be able to win. Uh, so Brad, Getting into it tonight, I know that with some of the work that you've done, I guess we want to get into it real quick. Is that what is play draft? I know I've seen we've done some best ball drafts on there. Is there another format that you can get into on play draft? Or I mean, can you tell us a little bit more about it?
2: Well, draft draft is a really good cash game site. I think draft is a great site for beginners. It lets you establish your chalkier players. So, say you're uh, not doing too well at a fan duel or a DK, you go to a place like draft and the higher scoring players are just coming off the board you're not having to compete with and guess which players are going to do well you can you can go by the chalk and the vegas lines and right. kind of make you know construct a stack if you want because that's really the best way to get the maximum amount of points out of your roster yeah and draft also has some uh some tournaments they're very i think they're very hard to win they're you know usually uh 4 to 6 weeks and sometimes as long as 13 weeks for the head to head tournaments so that can be a little wow. bit hairy, but once you get, be- once you get good at it, you can enter a tournament, get a couple of weeks into it and bam, you make some money. That's really how the tournaments work for me. I mean, you can win them, but it's a, it's a real grind each week.
1: And so you would think it's easy. Like, okay, so I just play all the best players. Super simple. It's not so simple because when you're playing all the best players, everybody else has a really great team too. I mean, you're looking at like, a team that's got Cam, Kamara, Gurley, Odell Beckham, and Tyreek Hill. And, like, yeah, that looks great, but somebody else already has, like, Patrick Mahomes and Michael Thomas and the Zeke. So it's like every team is stacked, and then you get those weeks like last week, which is Odell Beckham put up three points. And it's <laughs> like, well, it's basically whoever stud doesn't uh play studly is who's going to lose. It's not even so much about winning. It's about not losing, in my opinion. So I play as well, and I use your rankings off TQE each week. What do you use to go about creating those rankings?
2: Well, the first two things I establish my uh, rankings with is the Vegas lines and possible projections. And then from there, I decide what my uh, stacks are going to be this week. Because stacks are probably the best way to get the biggest score on draft. Um, another thing to consider is actual independent matchups. Um how wide receivers match up to the backfield that they're going to be facing is an enormous issue. Also game script running backs on teams that are going to be playing from behind. I generally like a a passing running back. I mean, a a receiving running back. And then uh, if a team looks like it's going to be uh, playing from ahead, of course you want, you just want to go ahead and get the, the one and two down back. That's going to rack up those cheap yards. And then another thing I actually use is I go into drafts against other pros and, um, very sharp players that I know have built up a relationship with over the years. And I see what they're drafting early on and kind of get an idea of where their money's going. So once you get my idea plus other people's ideas, it's a, it's almost like draft allows you to to play against some really good players. So mm-hmm. you can get better a lot quicker. So like, like with me, I've been playing DFS for about two years. I got really good in draft and I got to where I could actually teach other pros how to play draft. So it, there's a lot of skill on draft. That's one of the things I love about draft. Except for football season, where it gets a little bit. Yeah, you got to worry about if your stud's going to fade out or not. Right. But with sports like uh, basketball and uh, baseball, I find it's a lot more predictive. Oh, so
0: you do you do multi sports?
2: Uh, yeah, I do just about every sport draft has. Oh goodness! All right, yeah
0: so i guess after after the football season is over, maybe you and I can start talking some basketball then I'm glad I got the subscription then to t q e so then mm-hmm. maybe we'll be talking some more after after the n f l season's over
2: absolutely'd love to all
0: right, so getting back into how you make your how you get into your your rankings and whatnot, one of the things that I noticed that you discussed was looking at the Vegas lines and I know regardless of how folks may feel in terms of how predictive Vegas lines can be in terms of how the game will go do you have i guess a a method or is it do you go by your gut in terms of making a stance on how a game will go So if you were to look at a Vegas line and say that, well, this game is only projected for maybe 44, 45 points, team is favored by this, say, maybe three, so their implied team total is somewhere in the mid-20s. But do you go further to say that this is the team between the two in in this particular contest that you want to take your players from? So, for example, I believe uh, this weekend it's the Giants versus the Texans. I want to say that's a fairly low game total, if I'm not mistaken, 43, 44 points, somewhere in there. So, but I'm assuming that most folks are going to want to play uh, Deshaun Watson, Will Fuller, uh, maybe Lamar Miller, depending on uh, price, you know, pricing. And it, even if it's just redraft, they want to p- have those players in. So, do you have a method for making a stance on some of the games that You might not have a lot of people that – or it's not as popular as, let's say, uh, who else is playing this weekend? Atlanta and New Orleans, the Detroit game, uh, the San Francisco game. So do you have a stance for looking at some of those other games that folks might not be – might not find as popular?
2: Yeah, the New York versus Houston game is very interesting to me because it's it's an implied 42-point line. I don't really see Eli helping uh, Odell very much in that. So I'm really – if I'm going to look at that game – I'm looking more at the Texans, but at this rate, I'm kind of avoiding that game because I really don't trust the teams involved. I think the Texans could provide a better defensive front against Eli. I don't think Eli gets rid of the ball fast enough. I don't think he's really that great of a quarterback at this point. I think they need to move on from Eli, but they're not, so you're stuck with him. And since that's a quarterback I don't really trust, I'm not going to really rank their rank their players that high. I like, I like uh, Barkley a little bit more in this because, well, he's the only player that doesn't really rely on Eli to get on the ball. <laughs> mm-hmm. on the Giants <laughs> so I like his ability to get touches I like his ability to to suck up pass attempts but really I just don't see him bursting out with Eli in the backfield as his quarterback.
0: So if I'm understanding it correctly, I mean if you were to then take that take that process that you just laid out for that game and apply it to mm-hmm. almost any game it's less about, I mean, while the game script might be important, it's more about the surrounding talent, the players involved, and then maybe the, uh, the defense and like in the possible defensive matchup that might be coming in there so all of those things i guess are what you're using in order to say yeah i think i might want to dabble in this game and maybe pick up a few pieces or as you just mentioned it could be i mean if vegas is already projecting it to have a low uh, have a lower total than some of the rest of the games on the slate it might be something that you might want to avoid unless you want to take a deep shot in the gpp or something something like that is that what i'm hearing
2: correctly yeah, that's what you're hearing correctly. Um with draft, I mean you're only taking 5 players. Right. So with that, it's like with 5 players, if stacking one game is generally enough because you're going to need one player that's going to not be you can't have all of your players in the same game.
0: But you want upside but, on upside on upside.
2: Right. So I want I want to look at the what the stacks are going to be first and then like any loose players. Like uh players are going to go off individually in a in a game that aren't stacker rel- uh, aren't really stacker reliant like Todd Gurley.
1: And for the listeners to kind of bring full circle why we're discussing DFS in the first place is because these are the type of things that you're going to look at when you get into your lineup decisions. You're almost never going to have a roster where you don't touch it. I mean, I've got some pretty talented rosters, and I don't think that I have one that that is the same starters every week, so I don't think that you will and you can just go onto Twitter and ask a few people that you consider experts. Hey, should I start this person or this person? And, uh, for example, I got a question today. If, a, if a buddy of mine from high school should start, uh, Carlos Hyde or if they should start Matt Breda. So uh, for his team, I'm going to ask first, I asked if it was PPR. He said, Yes, it's PPR. I said, okay, well, I'll probably go with Breda. I knew that off the top of my head that they're going to be trying to keep up with the Chiefs. And then I checked 4 for 4 quickly, saw his projections, sure, go with Breda. Now, if it's my starter sit question, these are the type of things that I'm digging into that we're going to get in throughout the podcast that is ultimately going to determine which player at the end of my bench I'm going to start because – that's the difference between a win and a loss. I can tell you I chart every win and loss and points totals on Excel after every week. And this past week, I had five games within five points. If I made a better decision at the end of my roster, um, I could be looking at five wins. So that's why things like this matter. So back in reference to your rankings, Brad, uh, this week you, you have Keenan Allen ranked relatively high. Uh has got a tough matchup against the Rams. Key to Lee, Marcus Peters... What stands out to you about a specific player that essentially makes them matchup proof?
2: Well, what stands out of, against the player that makes them matchup proof um, comes down to like, there's some d- receivers are just going to be good with slant routes, and are just okay. going to just going to get open no matter what. Um, they almost always. See, I think that uh, Keenan Allen's a very tough play this week, but he does have some upside in terms of his catching ability and the ability for like Melvin Gordon to maybe bring some heat out of the backfield and in the passing game. So that could, uh, that could let uh, Keenan Allen see like, uh, you know, one, one man coverage instead of being double covered.
1: And there's not a lot of times that I would see Keenan Allen on my bench. So you're going to find that you have these guys that you're not going to bench them because they're, they could absolutely bury you if you bench them. So that's kind of what I wanted to touch on. It's just that you do have those guys where it's like, don't get too cute. If you're benching <laughs> Keenan Allen for somebody, let's say, let's say Brandon Cooks. Brandon Cooks has looked good throughout the first two games. But if you're benching Keenan Allen for Brandon Cooks on the other side of the field, we know historically that Brandon Cooks is not the consistent receiver that Keenan Allen is. So if that's your last decision on your roster, you may want to take a stance and keep Keenan in there instead of digging in too much because there's a much better chance you get burned by brandon cooks than keenan allen so that's definitely something that has to come into account i i do get those questions as well should i bench keenan allen or antonio brown or whoever because they do have those very very tough matchups and we're not going to lie and say that a keep is not a very very tough matchup but you just have those players that you don't bench and we also see more and more in the league now these players are moving around and these corners are staying where they're at maybe they get them into the slot a little bit more. That's another thing that you're looking at.
0: Right, and I think that that brings me to my question, is that once we start talking about uh, some of the players that we picked up in the first and second rounds, uh, like the Keenan Allens, who has a poor matchup this week, David Johnson, who has an, a poor matchup this week, although I don't really think the matchup would... Change much at least in terms of our outlook for David Johnson at this point, but for some of those players that we've drafted in the first few rounds that we consider to be studs, and we hear, uh, we see on Twitter, you hear on podcasts sometimes from from some analysts. I mean, they're always they're always uh, condoning a starts your studs, and. Brad, is that something that you would consider to be a solid process, or do you think that there's more to it when it comes to having to put in those players that we did spend that first, second, third round draft equity for, and despite the fact they might have a bad matchup, I mean, should we just go ahead and play them anyway, or what is your process for determining whether or not they are
2: start-worthy? Well, in, uh, gee, in terms of uh, the start-sit question, yeah, I'm about 80% use your studs, but Man, I got to look at the matchups. Like, DJ is terrible this week. I mean, and he does get a tired Bears defense. Right. But he gets a stud Bears defense that could stop him even, I think, if they're taking a nap. Right. You know, it's just too much there. He's not seeing enough of the passing game. So it's impossible to really to tell people to start unless you've got somebody who's just only projected for three or four points. I mean, if your bench is really thin then yeah start your studs but if you've done pretty well with your bench and you've picked up some guys that are hot later on early on this year like maybe even a breda i'd I'd consider starting them over
1: now david johnson poses a great question for our listeners and this is where it gets a little murky david johnson was some people's First overall pick. I probably would have still taken Todd Gurley, but he's my RB2 in dynasty and I would have taken him at the second spot in redraft as well had I had that position. And now you've had two very, very bad weeks, um, from David Johnson and t- in his defense, mostly the offense, but we don't care about that. And in fantasy, I'm not going to feel sorry for David Johnson and stardom, um, even though I do feel <laughs> sorry for him in real life. That's where start your studs gets sticky because if we're eight weeks and DJ still hasn't done anything but you're sticking with the start your studs mantra, you're going to be in a tough position. Is, is Do you, you have anything to add on uh, how, how long does a stud get stuck in your lineup bef- before he gets the boot? We can also use Amari Cooper from last year.
2: Um, I, I give a stud about three weeks if I'm stuck on that strategy. But like I said, with David Johnson, this, I'm not stuck on that strategy. <laughs> no. I didn't start him last week on, in, in my, uh, family leagues because I just, I didn't see anything coming out of
1: him. Now, if it were week one and David Johnson was playing the Bears, how would you feel? So you don't have any information on how the season's going to go. Think back to how you felt about David Johnson before the season. Would you have any consideration of benching David Johnson?
2: Oh week one with right. you know, not knowing what this no i i would have been i would have gone with him instantly. i mean he seemed like a star,
1: okay, awesome so point, I was just yeah, he was in my
2: top three uh running backs all all uh drafting season for uh, best balls,
1: so. <laughs> Basically, what we're going to take from this whole thing is that if you've got these players on, on a run, like your Michael Thomas, uh, probably still your Antonio Brown because he's getting that volume. Keep starting them. Keep starting them with confidence. If you've got a guy that's in a shaky situation, there are a lot of variables in David Johnson's situation that would be identified as shaky. That's where you start getting into the process that we've been talking about. Other than that, don't stress too much about your studs if you don't have to. I mean, I just see too many people looking for reasons to bench their studs this is why I wanted to spend some time on this segment.
0: Yeah. And I, one thing to add though, and I guess it's just, this is more of a question than than a comment and take this for, and we can, we might be able to run with this for a little bit is that when it comes to, when we say start your studs and this is, let's say we're in week four or week five and after. Uh, Coach Wilkes already came out and said that he was going to try and use David Johnson out of the slot. Still not getting it done, and you're looking at teams that draft him in the first round. They're sitting at two and three, one and four, on the cusp of pretty much losing their season. I mean, at that point, are are those studs still studs? I mean, are are they really still studs from a, from a fantasy perspective? We might we might understand that the talent is still there, but in reality we were evaluating them as studs because it was talent plus situation so if you take away the situation and you're just left with the raw talent i mean are are those players still considered studs and do we have to start them and and i don't i don't know if i don't know if that's a yes or no but at least to me if we have so much data in front of us that tells us that i mean god forbid and i really hope this doesn't turn out to be the case but let's say that I don't know. Philip Lindsay is now outscoring David Johnson on a weekly basis. And we're five weeks into the season is David Johnson still a stud. And I, I, I'm, I'm inclined to say no. And then I wonder if at that point, it's easier for us to say that, or to make the decision that, yeah, I got to bench him or yes, I'm going to have to trade him for Alex Collins or trade him for Jordan Howard. I don't know if like, I don't know if folks would do that deal at that point, but I mean, is that something that or does that make sense to you guys or is it or am I completely off my rocker here?
2: No, it makes sense to me. I mean, I like I said, I don't really consider a guy a stud after about four weeks of dead performances. I'm looking to move him, especially in like a family league or like you kind of got to look at who you're who your are uh, who your season long leagues are with. I mean, if you can trade them and unload them early, I kind of would. Because that, there are going to be point. people that go by name value and just take a guy like David Johnson off your hands. I mean, they're like, well, he'll 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 do something in eight weeks. Fine. Whatever. Um, Yeah. To me, the I, I look at the situation of did the coaching change Did the quarterback change? And those things change. Then the situation changes and he becomes less of a stud because stud is a matter of basically it's a kind of establishing as a person is a matter of looking at their talent, their output and their opportunities. You know, if a guy's not getting enough opportunities, then the output's not going to be there even if the talent is. So, at the end of the day it's a production based game. If the if the production isn't there, you got to move on. And I think you I think I cut that cord a little earlier than most people. I look at 4 weeks in and that's a quarter of the season. If you haven't done squat, out you go.
1: Man, we could go on this subject forever. I mean, so David Johnson's got the trifecta. So let's use some practical application here when we're trying to figure out our start to questions because two more weeks in, this is what you're looking at if you've got David Johnson or um I guess some of the injured guys are going to be tough too coming off the injury if they have a bad game. If Mixon comes back and has a bad game, Freeman comes back and has a bad game, you have reason to doubt these players. So DJ has the trifecta. He... Isn't getting the opportunity. He's not doing well with his opportunity and his offensive coach, his coach is calling the plays is calling poor games. So it's almost like if it quacks like a duck, it's a duck. You either jump ship or you, you know, ride it out and then you lose the season, but you, you lose the season shouting. I put David Johnson number two overall, you know, who cares it's week five and he hasn't done anything for you. Who cares? As soon as the draft is over, it doesn't matter where you drafted him. Um, and especially in dynasty, this is even more so easy because just stick him on the bench and try again next year. I mean, the guy just got an extension. So what I would advise people do is give this player a week or two on the bench. Um, and you should be grinding those waiver wires. So you should have those Philip Lindsay's, those James Connors. Um, if you're working hard enough, you can bench David Johnson for a week or two. And I think I may soon. So this gets all the way back full circle to start your studs if they're being studs, but you know, don't be the last one to identify a player as no longer being a stud
0: yeah I think that's I think that's important for folks to, to make that key uh, that the critical identification of what the situation is for each fantasy player because as situations change, your outlook for players can change and so what we thought in august or even early september i mean that could be completely different come october or november when you're having to make even more important lineup decisions as you you know might be able to get into the playoffs or something like that so we definitely have to make those considerations
1: so brad we talked about a few things that you're identifying when you get into um your start sit question but One thing that you touched on, I want to get into a little more heavily, is game script. Can you kind of tell me what game script is and how game script plays into your uh, decision-making process?
2: Well, game script is, yeah, it's pretty important in terms of how players are going to be used. If a team's going to be ahead, don't expect to see their wide receivers getting deep balls. Don't expect the uh, passing running back to be getting a lot of opportunities for a big, big score. A lot of teams just play more conservatively. Teams playing from behind are going to use those wide receivers more. Are going to throw more, so you would avoid their their one and two down running back. Because most teams now employ a, uh, a first and two da- a first two down back and a and a passing down back. The mm-hmm. bell cow model is really just kind of fa- being phased out around the league. I think it's still b- big in Pittsburgh, but that's just about it. Every place else kind of kind of spreads the ball around a little bit better. Maybe not Tampa Bay right now, but it doesn't matter because Peyton isn't actually seeing much in terms of production. Right. Rest um, in peace, Ronald Jones. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> At what least the, for this year. <laughs> yeah. I, this, this first round draft class has been an absolute, yeah, <laughs> for uh, running backs. But in terms of game script, yeah, things like that are important. I'm also looking for games that are going to blow out. So I'm, if, the optimal situation game script-wise is two good offenses, two good passing offenses, playing against two terrible passing defenses.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So, like, if you're playing at Kansas City this year against San Francisco, if San Francisco gets their passing game under them, gets, gets it going with Garoppolo, that game can blow out. So that's, you know, that's the kind of game script you're looking for, especially on a, on a site like um, Draft, where it's just so chalky and you have so few players to pick from.
1: And something a lot of people miss, I think a lot of people have a general understanding of game script. Like earlier when I was asked Breda or Hyde this week and I asked if it was PPR, I asked that because I knew that the 49ers were going to have to throw to get in the game and I knew that Breda was going to catch more passes. If it were going to be a lower scoring closer game, it might have been a an Alfred Morris week and I might have said Hyde. But there's a little deeper you can go. Do you ever consider a potential benching if a team is projected let's say, 16-and-a-half like uh, the Vikings are this week?
2: Yeah, I think you got to look at potential benchings. I, th- I do look at those a little later in the season, though, mm-hmm. than earlier in the season. I think there's a kind of an impetus, especially for a home game, to keep the starter starters out there longer than a half.
1: Sure, um, that makes sense. You, know,
2: you do have to keep the home. And now if it's a road game in Buffalo, mm-hmm. I would expect to see maybe about two quarters of uh, the starters from the Vikings and then just nothing but backups the last two Last two quarters, but this rate, I think you you might get sit, sat the fourth quarter, but not the entire half. And against the bills, there's a lot of potential there for uh, cousins to even even in really half a game. To, to rack up a 40-point and a performance
1: for a quarterback. See, the thing that worries me, though, is what happens if those are two short Latavius Murray touchdowns and then like a, a special teams touchdown, and it's like 21 nothing complete one slot, and then he's out of the game. That oh, everybody's just going <laughs> to
0: tilt off the face
1: of the air. Because Kirk Cousins is projected to so many points, and I can just see so many scenarios where he's just like, Worrying about what he's getting for dinner after the game during halftime.
0: Yep, he's going to yeah. throw
1: for like two fifty and like one touchdown, and then the rest are going to be rushing touchdowns. I, I'm not advising everyone bench Kirk Cousins, and you're going to hear this later in the week, anyways. But that that might be too cute, but it is something to consider in games that are significant blowouts. Just another thing to add to your uh, arsenal. Before we move into fades, Chris, do you have anything else that you wanted to touch on as far as looking at for start sits so and not fading away from?
0: No, I think – but the only thing that uh, if I'm understanding correctly from everything that we've discussed so far is that when it comes to making your start-sit decisions is that we look for the the trifecta like you just mentioned a bit ago, Adam, and like I think Brad, you mentioned it as well as the, the talent of the player, the situation that they're in, and then the opportunity that they might be getting themselves into this weekend. So like targets mm-hmm. and touches – talent, I mean, the intersection of all of those things is really what drives fantasy value. So if you're able to identify any particular player and, okay, well, if they're not the quote unquote studs, well, what can we rely on? Like do we know that they have the talent? Do we know that they might have the volume of the targets and touches coming their way? And so while defensive matchups might might play a role or downgrade the situation, we still should have those things in mind before we start looking at. Okay, well, we can look at game script absolutely and and uh, kind of factor that into their situation. But really, it start it starts with I mean, you know, talent, opportunity, situation to me. All, all of those things are. I think those should be like kind of
1: hammered into our minds, like when we start making some of those lineup decisions. Now, Brad, we've talked about all the things that we can look at whenever you get to the bottom of your bench and you're submitting that lineup and you have to decide between three guys. What kind of information are you fading and making sure that you do not pay attention to when you're making this difficult decision?
2: Wow, what kind of information do I absolutely fade? When I, oh, jeez, Pretty much whatever the head coach says. Oh, yes. Thank oh, goodness you said yeah. that, coach. Speak. That would be the number one thing I fade because I don't trust any... Look, I think we all got suckered into Royce Freeman being the stud back for uh, Denver. Yeah. And now we're looking yeah. at Philip Lindsay. But the fact is, we all went on good information. It was from the coaches. It was from the local press in Denver. We're a very, you know, plugged in bunch of people. Right. You know, and we nobody was saying that Philip Lindsay was going to come out and be the stud running back back in July.
1: Well, they're still saying th- this. Even goes more to your point. Sorry to interrupt. Is that no. uh, Philip Lindsay is still Vance Joseph is still saying that Philip Lindsay will not be the starter, even though he is significantly out producing Royce Freeman on similar touches. And you brought up the best example you possibly could have because Vance Joseph can say whatever he wants, but we've seen in the past him misuse running backs over and over. I uh, I said on a. On a previous podcast, I think it was last week, actually, that Vance Joseph will sign the hot dog stand guy outside of the stadium and give him 20 <laughs> touches. He does not care. But like you said, some people fed into the coach speak. And I think I don't know that I listened to the coach speak so much as I just liked Royce Freeman in, in the process. And to be honest, once the season starts, that didn't really matter if, if Philip Lindsay going to outplay him, he's going to outplay him. Um, Coach Speak was a great example. Do you have any other things that you want to try to avoid when you're making these decisions?
2: Well, I kinda look at a lot of different variables. I would say that Coach Speak's the biggest one that I do fade. Um man, I I have a hard time. There's a lot of uh local news people that sometimes get the story wrong. Um that right. goes back to more or less Coach Speak though. There's statistically there's not too much I fade. I mean I want to look at everything, but you know, there's also the possibility that I might miss something. So I don't want to I don't want to be too smart and take too much off the board.
1: Sure, and you don't want to miss too much that I definitely with you on that. I'll say one thing that you might actually want to fade is kind of fantasy points per game. That can be very misleading, especially two weeks in and you had two horrible defensive opponents for a player, that could be very misleading. Also, very, very long touchdowns don't necessarily identify opportunity. Uh, you might be getting one target a game, uh, and if you caught 80 yard touchdowns, three games in a row, hypothetically, that's not necessarily a player that I want to plug into my lineup and and rely on. We had that with Will Fuller last year and Will Fuller was a spectacular outlier. He had a 25% touchdown rate, which even over five games is incredible that he was able to sustain that. But if you were to just look at his fantasy points per game, you would think that you had, you know, this bonafide wide receiver one and he was really only seeing three targets a game. We discussed earlier how, how, um, dominant opportunity is and why market share is so significant. And, uh, those are things that I would prefer to look at than, uh, than really fantasy points per game. I'd, I'd rather know, um, how much a player's been targeted and what kind of target market share he has. Also, Chris, you could talk a little more on this, but the, the four for four guys and Josh Hermsmeyer loves air yards. He'll use air yards over receiving yards, you know, all day. So that's another thing you could even fade receiving yards for air yards, right, Chris?
0: Uh, yeah, I would, I would wholeheartedly advocate for folks taking a look at the, the great Herms uh, work on four for, with four for four. Just airyards.com, since it's the free site, four for four, you have to pay for some of the advanced metrics. But things of that nature, where I don't think that we get the, the proper granularity when it comes to the data, when you're looking at yards per game, yards per carry, which is terrible, uh, yeah. yards per reception. It just really doesn't give you enough of a sense of, how the player is being used and while we might be able to look at targets. And so that, that gives you an idea of the opportunity, but then some of the statistics that Herms has come up with like racer and Mm -hmm. uh, also for quarterbacks, he has a pacer and so how they're able to convert the air yards that they're receiving into actual, actual yards that we can, we look at as fantasy output. So, that is where you really can find out how the player, like how efficient the player is and actually how talented the player is in terms of like how they're, how they're using their opportunity to create fantasy output. So stuff like that, if you can just peruse airyards.com and you will find you will, you'll be able to find some of those diamonds in the rough when it comes to the players that you would want to have on your bench. And then, of course, if you're following some of those folks like him, uh, Hornsby, uh, ADHD, uh, I mean, those guys are constantly putting out, I mean, just a ton of data that you can use in order to make some of those decisions where you can wind up with a lot of
1: these solid players at the, at the end of your bench. So the next thing that we're going to touch on is how important it is to – use other platforms, kind of. I mean, if you're playing Dynasty, obviously you have to use Redraft data because during the season we're playing Redraft. But a lot of very, very smart people uh, advocate playing DFS to help you with your season long. Um, even if you're playing for free, just go into a free contest just to kind of get an idea. But the reason this is going to be important in this segment, this start sit- segment, is because in DFS we have a late swap. So you're going to leave a, a player in your flex that's going to play a later game. If you have that opportunity, you know, if the money's right and you can fit a, an 8 p.m. player there and you get to four o'clock and it's like, Oh man, my team's getting absolutely crushed. And that's the most owned player on the slate there for the eight o'clock. You know, let me go switch them out for someone who has the opportunity to smash, but is going to be low owned. The reason that matters for your flex is for one, 100% rule, do not put a 1 p.m. player in your flex if you can avoid it. Injuries happen, or you may need to play catch-up. So I was hoping to hear from both of you. Do you ever uh, look at your team at 4 o'clock and think about maybe swapping out that flex player? Um, I do.
2: I mean, I, I keep my flex player as – as if I have a Monday game, I put that flex player in my Monday game. I don't care who mm-hmm. he is. um, Just to make sure that I, I'm getting on top of the injuries that, are, that could be happening – make sure, usually my flex player for me is going to be a wide out so that usually lets me um throw in a different position if like my running backs completely go flat mm-hmm. and i and i just have a running back that can put up a running production close to a wide receiver then i'll throw that that guy in there in a four o'clock game but yeah that's a pretty important consideration and certainly a kind of a rule of thumb for my for my money in terms of fantasy football on a on a season-long basis
0: and I'll echo Brad's uh, sentiments as well. I think that is the the best process when it comes to putting together your roster is making sure that you have that leverage by placing any of the early player games and, and not putting them in into your flex spots so you have that flexibility with your roster in order to make those moves. If you do feel that you know it's it's midway through the 1 p.m. games and you're still you're only sitting at maybe fifty, sixty points or something like that, and you're having to sweat then it's like, okay, well, I need something that has some punch to it. And so you, you can at least – it might not be the thing that wins you your week, but at the very least I think it's solid process to at least put yourself in a position where if that player hits, you can win. So, I,
1: yeah, I wholeheartedly agree with that. And now the last thing I want to touch on, if you've been a listener for quite some time, you actually heard us – discuss this when creating your roster so it's actually a really cool moment for me at at least as a nerd to bring it full circle now that we actually get to put these players in and and get some points we advocated constructing your roster towards player archetypes so that if you had that will fuller that puts up those boom or bust games which honestly he's kind of defying uh, he's kind of defying the the norm and is mostly boom but for the we'll we'll say Kenny Stills so let's say you've got Kenny Stills and then you've got a a player like Jarvis Landry who's relatively consistent floor uh do you consider your archetypes when you're putting that flex in or even your roster in general if you've got that boom bust guy in your lineup are you looking at these two players that you're considering and saying well this player's got a better floor so maybe I should put him in
2: yeah, with a boom and bust guy like Will Fuller, I think those guys are very matchup dependent. So, you know, that becomes, I go back to my Vegas line, see where the game's going to do. That, and if a guy like Will Fuller is in good shape, like, he's in pretty good shape against uh, a secondary for the Giants, it's actually garbage. Mm-hmm. So I would consider putting him in that flex. That works out for me time-wise. But yeah, I think you gotta. I think the flex position becomes more of a situational position, and you don't want to like. I mean, if you're putting your studs in your flex position, you get you got a little bit of a problem. I mean, you you know. <laughs> yeah, I really think that that flex position is for the boom and bust guys,
1: optimally. And then, so let's say that you've got start with three wide receivers, and then you have that flex spot. Let's say that you're you've got uh, let's say Antonio Brown, Jarvis, Landry, and Golden Tate. That's a reasonable roster i'm more comfortable putting a boomer bus guy in my flex almost weekly depending on matchup if i've got those three guys like i know i'm gonna get points from those guys i'm gonna get that well usually that 15.4 from ab and then you'll get that 10.4 from jarvis and golden tate so yeah go ahead and put that flex player and definitely consider your uh roster construction. I mean, you worked really hard and you listened to the show in the <laughs> off season to build that roster that way. So use it to your advantage wholeheartedly. If you went heavy on the consistent plays, the flex is definitely where you want to utilize those uh, boom bus plays. And then vice versa, if you kind of um, matched up some of the boom-bust guys with the consistent guys in your normal roster construction on a week-to-week basis, you definitely have to look at take a look at your roster construction and say i've got cooper cup and will fuller on the bench okay i know i'm gonna need eight points like i have to get eight points cooper cups probably going to be my play there based on roster construction
0: so last thing brad before we get you get you out tonight that we wanted to discuss real quick is so that so now you've got you've got your roster set up it's sunday morning inactives and, and you know news is starting to hit around like 10, 10.30. That's when you see Schefter and all the rest of the guys start tweeting. <laughs> so is there any last-minute information, other than injuries, of course, I mean it's, uh, most of us are tracking that throughout the week, but is there anything that, any news that might come out at the last minute that will change your mind about a player and just say, no, I'm, I'm out. I mean it's just not looking great, and, and you will want to swap him out for somebody else?
2: Well, lately, especially with like the Steelers, guys not showing up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, do it. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that's actually something to keep keep in mind in this year um as far as that to go yeah i i generally try not to tinker i want a big reason to tinker with my roster not something like well you know that like, i want an injury if, if it's not an, yeah if it's not an injury then i don't really mess with my roster too much and that's the best that's just for me me personally has been my best practice because if I tinker, I screw everything up. I play on a site like Draft, and I do a lot of best balls, so I can't tinker. But when I get the opportunity to, I screw everything up by just constantly second guessing myself. Right. You really don't want to do too much of that. You tinker? You tinker at all, man?
1: Oh no, absolutely not. So I was I was going to get to that with the closing statement. Please don't tinker unless you <laughs> see some significant reasoning. And I was going to share my tinker story that lost me the championship last year i so i had kareem hunt and jordan howard in the starting spot all week because why wouldn't i uh they were probably considered studs at the point but howard had burned me on a lot of weeks i feel like i started them every week he sucked well i also had samaj Piron and alfred morris on the bench and last minute i just felt like my opponent's team was not very good and i just said you know what, I need this floor. Because you know, Kareem Hunt last year had a lot of almost goose egg games, and then Jordan Howard was almost exclusively boom bust. And I was like, you know what? Forget taking that chance. If both of those guys miss and I lose, I'm screwed. So last minute I decided that I wanted to put in Samaje Pirine and Alfred Morris over those two. Jordan Howard and Kareem Hunt went off. And uh Yikes. I think I got collectively ten points between Alfred Morris and and uh Samaj Pirine.
2: Oof. Yeah, that's Oof. like I said. Tinkering is just second guessing yourself, really, at the last minute. And unless there's huge information, I don't bother with it.
1: Right? Just well, because
2: I, I I I fall for so much dumb crap from coaches. <laughs> um, like like I, I'm so burnt, like with the 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 Royce Freeman thing, that I'm just like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> just as long as the guy's alive, I'm fine. I got Lev Bell, Kink kicking my ass and a bunch of yeah. rosters. I've got, you know, Royce Freeman information that I, I sucked up like a moron. So yeah, I'm gonna be real skeptical of my process going into Sunday morning unless somebody's dead, didn't show up, got their leg broken and you know. Right. Or somebody's just like, you know, maybe they're drunk. I mean <laughs> <laughs> you know. maybe
0: well, I mean, you guys are better men than I am because when it comes like noon or something like that, I mean, you know, I'm the, the quote unquote weather guy. So I'm, I'm, I'm taking everything in, man. I'm looking at, I'm looking at if it's raining, if it's going to be windy, uh, looking at like just last minute, like what, what did the, what did the players say as they came out onto the field? Uh, how did the warm-ups go? Uh, you know, did they, did they say it? Did, did something bad happen? The, you know, I'm, I'm looking at everything. So I wind up making, I've made some, just terrible last minute changes, uh, but I think a couple of them. Uh, I think a couple of them have worked in my favor, and a couple of them I've looked back on just like, yeah, you need to just put your phone down. Like <laughs> after after eleven thirty, you need to just put put your phone down and just and just let it let it go, and just wait until lock. So maybe I need to find something else to do from like about eleven thirty until one, and then yep. just let it let it go yeah. from there. So yeah,
2: and wait until basketball season. There we go. Oh, gosh, yeah. And plus, the uh, storylines in basketball do actually drive a lot of scoring. It's so it, it's a complete opposite of football. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've never seen a sport more you know more susceptible to the egos of the players playing it. Right, right. Now, like you, you look at baseball. Baseball is just a straight stat game. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's the the sample size is so enormous there that if you're getting off your stats and you're not playing the game properly. Right. With, with football. It's matchups, opportunities, v- Vegas lines, that kind of thing that's going to establish what the game's going to produce for you in a, in a fantasy setting. With basketball, a dude can have sex with another guy's girlfriend, and the whole thing goes the, goes haywire. Look at the couple <laughs> situation. And, oh uh, man, yeah, and uh-huh. the Timberwolves. I mean, you know, dude, he uh, yeah, he, he dude steals uh what's his name's his girlfriend, his center, and the whole thing just is unraveled. Yeah, Yeah, that doesn't happen nearly as much in football.
0: Right. Right. Yeah. It's just, just a wild situation. But man, that's that's crazy.
2: Yeah. So enjoy tinkering with that sport. So yeah,
0: (laughs) I don't, I don't want to. I don't want to deal with it. I don't want to deal with it, Brad. I don't want to.
2: But all right. So, uh,
0: thanks again, Brad, for coming on tonight. And if you could leave us with any last minute words of wisdom, what would you tell the folks listening tonight? Last
2: minute words of wisdom. Geez. Well, with football this weekend look at those stacks. I mean, you know, we've got some really good games that are going to bust out, so we've kind of got an established idea of what the chalk is going to be. If you're playing uh, your season-long DFS, keep an eye on, you know, that injury list because we've got a a couple of interesting ones this week. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, if you're playing on a site like Draft, definitely make sure you're stacking because it looks like you're going to have a hard time picking individual pieces and getting the score you're going to want. Mm -hmm. So... There's your words of wisdom.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. We appreciate it. Adam, do you got anything for the folks before we get on out of here tonight?
1: Not too much except for to help with the tinkering, just make a Sunday process. I'll tell you that was the best thing that I could do for my football schedule is because I tinkered way too much. I made a Sunday process to lead me up into kickoff, and I gave myself about 30 minutes to make sure that I catch up on injuries and things like that. I did tinker one time this year. I saw Jordan Reed in a pregame before week one, and – I just saw that he was healthy so that's my defense jordan reed yeah. jordan reed was not dead therefore i could start him but i could not confirm before pregame that he was not dead <laughs> um but we appreciate you listening as always you can subscribe on youtube at dynasty pregame you can follow me at dhh underscore adam please give the twitter handle a follow at dynasty manual and then also we're going to start reading the rate and reviews on uh, on the show so if you like to send us a a rate we would greatly appreciate that we appreciate you guys listening
0: 100 percent. and brad uh where can the folks find your work and if they wanted to k- uh, hit you up on twitter how could they get a hold of you
2: well you can find my work at the the quant edge uh tqe um you get a promo code tqe69 you can sign up for uh you get 10 bucks off the first month and um you can find me at Mean Mr. Mode on Twitter, and I'll be happy to answer any of your questions on Twitter.
0: Excellent, excellent. And I'm going to have plenty, or at least enough, to fill up my time from eleven thirty until one o'clock. So I go. will I will try and plan that <laughs> out. All right. And I'm your host, Chris Allen. You can find me on Twitter at Chris FFWX, and we thank you guys for coming out, and we'll catch you guys next week. The game.
1: 101 pick no. no. when no. it hits you no. feel no pain. Brain for the fantasy championship hit the books kid read this pamphlet called the dynasty owner's manual
2: it's automatic dynasty it's automatic owner's manual it's automatic dynasty it's automatic